0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a teaching with TBA rabbinic resident Julia Noblock. We are not talking about Israeli poetry per se, but we're talking about, and we're talking about um, poetry by Leonard Cohen. Um, and earlier I said, no, no, American poetry, which obviously, um, While he did live in LA, um, he was Canadian. Um, um, I don't know if he had, he might've had, I don't know. Um, Leonard Cohen, I don't think I need to say so much to introduce about who he was like a, like singer songwriter, um, with a long, long, many decades spanning career. And, um, originally he started out as a poet, um, like only as a, like, he was like literally writing poetry poetry back in Montreal and at McGill university. Um, and then he he was in new york um in the 60s um and he um he always told the story like not to me i mean i have actually met him in person but um he didn't tell me that story but it's an oft quoted story oft quoted story how he Decided he needed to make a living, and he wasn't of poetry, which I can agree that that doesn't really work. So he started um, to to look into having his songs um, first performed by other singers, actually not by himself, and then and then obviously he and um, and then the the years before he died. Um, when did he die? In 2016, um, he was on this never-ending world tour, um, allegedly again because he didn't have any money, um, because. Buddhist monastery, you around Los Angeles, and um, apparently his the story goes that his took all his money, had to go, on, which was a blessing um, for me because um, I um, got to see him twice because when he was playing in New York clubs, I was not around, so um, so that was that was great. Um, I think he's known a lot for his erotic and very romance, very sensual poetry. Um, um, he wrote a few political songs as well. And, and a lot of, I think what is one of the features that is very characteristic of his poetry is that you can read them on all of different tiers. Like some of, like there's a one song that's called Lover, Lover, Come Back, Lover, 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 and Lover, Come Back to Me. Um, and um, he said that it was about, that he was written after, um, um, when in the 60s, when, <laughs> when was the, the Sinai, between Egypt and Israel 60. Seven right Um, so he and he visited um, he gave concerts um, for the Israeli army and um, so he was definitely he had a lot of message in his songs even though you would not necessarily read them as such because they are often often sort of wrapped into into a love relationship that that reads like lyrics about a love relationship and the same is true um, for one of my favorite things that I'm trying to imitate as well a little bit in my own right um about what is so often done in Jewish tradition and poetry about these two overlapping levels of talking about a love relationship between between God and Israel um, or God and man uh, or God and human and um, that can also be understood as as two lovers that two human lovers Um, so that that comes up a lot one of the prime examples is She Hashirim and and he took it what i find so amazing and and as we when we will dive into into these into these um three songs that i brought two of which are some very late songs the third one the, the the one in the middle if it be your will certainly is also a later work but it's not um it might be it's not as as among the the very late last songs um that he that he brought out before he died um like these two ones so He has, um, he has an intensity and depth to, to his songs that I find breathtaking. And, um, sometimes he can, he's very direct and very like, yeah, very direct and, um, just doesn't hold back in, in anything. But his songs are still so much grounded in Jewish thought And imagery and, and and tradition and he was very very learned he was very very knowledgeable um, so he knows what he's what he is doing and he also searched a lot while he while he was brought up as a as a as a Jew of course and he and he was he is very Jewish in, in a lot of the in most of his poetry but there were times when he was searching and inquiring of other religions what they could Give him like I said. He was in the Buddhist monastery. He had his flirt with Christianity, which actually comes up in quite a few songs, and I do believe in, in it, it is in the third in the third poem that I that I brought for tonight, and um, and all sorts of other um, religions. But he always he was a true Jew in the sense that if we say we're called Israel because we struggle with God, and I think I think that that is must be certainly true for his life and and also for these three poems. And um, why did I bring Leonard Cohn today of all days? Um, because I try to always have like some sort of nod to the parsha um, in which we are on. In this case, we are like in between Truma and Tetzaveh, um, which are the two parashiyot um, about the, the first time, the beginning of the building of the, the Mishkan, and then as of Tonight, um Tetzave, um many many commandments about priesthood and and a well Cohen is Cohen, so that's I didn't know if he was actually a Cohen, but I mean the name is there, so that was one thought, but also because I do think that a lot of the that a lot of the the poems that he has written, even the ones that that feel a little bit more lighter from the sixties um that he is always searching you said what tortured right and i know that's what i mean and i I do think you're totally spot on on what you were saying because it's um there is um there is an existential like t- torture sense of his trying to connect to god um or trying to make sense of it all or trying to to sort of ask our tradition and our the, the words that we recite so much especially the love what is the love um what does it mean and what does it do? Us? And, and he has been, I think, haunted by that his entire life. And um, and especially in these three poems, they, I think they are good examples of this sort of lost or tortured, confused priest that is out there, and the temple doesn't exist anymore. And he still he's trying to make sense of of it all. And um, so with that frame, I. Um, I want to invite one of you to read the first poem out loud, if you like. Um, okay, thanks. Yes, so they can hear it. So should she come up? Okay. Okay, so Malka is going to read, though. So you guys can hear.
1: If I didn't have your love, if the sun would lose its light, and we lived an endless night, and there was nothing left that you could feel, that's how it would be, what my life would seem to me, if I didn't have your love to make it real, if all the stars were unpinned and a cold and bitter wind swallowed up the world without a trace, ah, well, that's where I would be, what my life would seem to me, if I couldn't lift the veil and see your face, and if no leaves were on the tree and no water in the sea, and the break of day had nothing to reveal, that's how broken I would be, what my life would seem to me if I didn't have your love to make it real, if the sun would lose its light, and we lived in an endless night, and there was nothing left that you could feel if the sea were sand alone, and the flowers made of stone, and no one that you hurt could ever heal, well, that's how broken I would be. What my life would seem to me if I didn't have your love to- Thank you, Malka. That was beautiful. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, since we just read about the outline of the the Mishkan, which was going to be the temple, what was going and what was going to lead to to the temple, and if we think how the presence of the name of God in the temple, how that was sort of like the most intense representation or expression of God's. Presence or God's love, if one wants to say that, and then that goes away. I think this, what we just heard, sort of expresses pretty much a similar intensity on on, on a poetic level. And um, well, I mean, I totally agree with you, and I and and I think it's 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 open or it's it's deliberately. I think he, he does it on purpose. I think, yes, everything could be read as someone addressing a lover who has left them when, or if they didn't ha- – or, or actually, if I didn't have your love, like someone who still has the love and is sort of like saying, please don't go away or like – it's very important to them. Exactly. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. And I think that there is another layer to it um, given – that Leonard Cohen is known for playing with a lot of this Jewish imagery. And I mean, if I couldn't lift the veil and see your face is one line here that I'm reading as deliberate, a deliberate reference to, 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 to Judaism. To see, see the face of God is like one of the most, the, the, uh, the, the thing that m- Moses asked for. And, and also if we think, look at us, you know, nowadays, Seeing the face of a beloved person is always a very intense thing, but also now seeing our faces without masks, like showing one's face is one of the most vulnerable and most intimate and most, most intense feelings that we situate things that we can do. So, so I do think, um, that it is connected. I, I am reading it. And I mean, I brought it also today for us to think about to put it into, to read it at the back with the backdrop of. Of and Tetzave, yes, earth. Yeah, I mean, I, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with Brent, and you know, I'm, I'm reading it as, as being addressed to a lover, and I'm also reading it as, as having this deliberate sort of context, Tom, right? Yeah, no, yes. Um, so, um. So, we've been talking back and forth about, um, this, um, double layer of, um, this poem being addressed to a lover, which it certainly is, and also sort of like looking into what is the backdrop maybe of the, the necessity, the, the meaning of the temple and how much love of God, um, is there to make it real. And then Tom was, was commenting on that there is some language, um, if the sea were sand alone and the flowers made of stone, how it, how it really resonates from Ilufino, um, if our lips were, if our mouth were as full of this, of praise of this, like the sea. And, um, and it's true. He, whether or not it's intentional, intentionally referring to that specific line, but it is language that's familiar from us, from the, to us, from the liturgy and from Psalms. And, um, and if we can move on to, to the next, to the next one, if, if, because there's more Psalm, um, language, but, uh, Larry, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. There was a comment. Um. I'm sorry. You're Larry, right? Are you, what's your name again? I'm sorry. Bob. I mixed it up. No, no, no. I'm. am sorry. I. So Bob mentioned um, how there, how basically every line in this poem speaks to, speaks to like how important um all of these things are, and and how without them, without that, nothing would be real and everything would be dead, basically. Which again refers to you can read it as how important the beloved person is to. For sure. Um, the next I'm going to read it just out of it's easier unless someone really wants to come up for and read the next one. Um, but then it's easier for for those um, on uh, on Zoom. The next one is called "If It Be Your Will" and it is related. I think in it is different in. In the intensity and in sort of the angle from which it's coming, but for me it's coming from the same kind of the same kind of feeling um, um, believing in the love that believing in that love can actually make things real, um, even if things are broken and we'll hear some more psalm related language here. Um, if it be your will that I speak no more and my voice be still as it was before, I will speak no more. I shall abide until I am spoken for, if it be your will. If it be your will, that the voice be true. From this broken hill, I will sing to you. From this broken hill, all your praises, they shall ring. If it be your will, to let me sing. From this broken hill, all your praises, they shall ring. If it be your will, to let me sing. If it be your will, if there is a choice, let the rivers fill Let the hills rejoice. Let your mercy spill on all those burning hearts in hell. If it be your will to make us well and draw us near and bind us tight. All your children here in their rags of light. In our rags of light, although all dressed to kill and end this night. If it be your will, if it be your will. So, um, well, there's some words in there that don't usually come up in prayer so much, or in psalms, but there's a lot of psalm language. You know, the hills, like the hills, is one of the most that jumps um, right out there. Jumps, jumping hills, rejoicing, you know. But also, it's interesting from this broken hill. So something has happened and has been shattered and destroyed, but there is still this pleading and appeal that it that it can still be. That it can still continue. And another aspect that is in there is like, that is not, that is not as pronounced in the first one, even though it, it, it is indirectly as well, is this total submission to, um, to the entity that's being addressed. Like, I am totally only speaking when it's your will. And now, Irf can speak. Yeah. Yeah. He usually has a dark side, yeah, so Irv commented that um there is a lot of you know that what we know from the psalms there's distress, and we're calling out to god and and we believe in that and we and we we believe that God can do something and intervene, and we're also saying, we are here to praise you and to to do and then of course, it does take, and um Irv called it a conesque turn, which it certainly is because it turns it very dark in the last lines when he's and draws near and bind us tight. If, if someone, and as he did, as Leonard Cohen did knew Hebrew and the liturgy and, and you know, and, 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 and Torah that of course drawing near is sacrificing and binding us tight for every Jew is, is pretty obvious what that might refer to or could refer to. I'm not saying it does, but I read it and I think earth to two. And, um, even, even like Dressed to kill. We, if we have to do that to end the night that is involving us, evolving us, or surrounding us, then if it be, well, there's other submission there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kandra Troni. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Kandra Troni talked about how he, he, how he combines basically in this poem both the priestly and the and and the prophetic the prophetic voice, um, the, the priest sort of representing, um, what they, what we have to do. And the prophet basically speaking to what you, the priest doing, doing it and the prophet sort of like calling it out. What you, what you have to do and, and, and delivering messages and, and admonishing and painting terrible, terrible, um, um, situations and, and, and scenarios, which then goes back to the point that, um, brand brand make before that comment was, um, isn't that, isn't that the most trying and most complicated and most intense, um, thing that we have to do that even in really, really dire moments, we have to praise God and ultimately submit to God's will? No, I, I don't know. It's not an, it's not a super old song though. It's, um, I want to say it was probably written in the late nineties, maybe. That's a guess. It might, it might be, it's certainly not from his sixties or seventies. That's for sure not. But, um, it could be from the late eighties as well, but I don't think so. Uh, the first one that we heard is on the, the album that came out while he was still alive. The one that's called You Wanted Darker. There's actually another one that came out posthumously. Um, um, and these, this one and the third one that we're going to look at, unless someone still wanted to comment on this one. Bob? Yeah. I mean that's total submission there, if it be your will and yeah. Um uh, Bob mentioned how, how it can remind of the, the, the Yom Kippur liturgy and how we just prostrate ourselves and just fall on the floor. I thought did I did I, did you wanna say something? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know too much, even though we're both in Ralph Giller's Intro to Kabbalah class. Yet, about um, Marco made a point that a, that a lot of that the end of this poem reminded her of Kabbalistic thoughts. And um, there's a question: What does it mean rags of light and dress to kill? Um, you know, the like every you're stripped of you're just having rags, like you're not dressed fancy. This all you have, and but still there's emanating light, which then again might might speak to what of you were saying. And you dress to kill. To yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. yeah, 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 definitely for sure. Also, I was um, I was thinking um, again. I don't know exactly when this was written, but it is not is not from the 60s or 70s. But there is a song from the 60s. I'm blanking a little bit on on the toe line, but it's—I think it's—it's actually from the story of Isaac, or no? It's a bunch of lonesome heroes. I think it's on the album that's called Songs from a Room. That's for sure, which is from the 60s. And there's a line: "You who kill these children now, you must not do it anymore." So it's a—he has a lot of recurring things where he looks at certain things that he certainly has thought about in his Jewish life. Um, what does it mean? And it's interesting that a younger, like an older song from when he was younger has that line. And here we're having this, um, an, an older self, a more mature. hmm? He has a few anti Vietnam war songs. Yes, for sure. Yep. Um, we made it to 550. We can still listen. We can still like shortly look at the third or the, the, oh, we have time, right? Okay. So, so that's, so that's just to wrap it up. Um, the third one that I brought is different from, from these first two, but I brought them because it, um, on one hand, I do think that it, it is, it, it expresses some of his exploration of other religions than, than Judaism and, um, and it had, because I wanted to, there is something priestly and s- solemn about it. Um, you should also, all these should be, if this were not Shabbat, um, it's wonderful that it is Shabbat, but, um, should Shabbat ever end? I, if you don't know these songs, you should, um, you should, um, listen to them because, um, the music adds to, to the intensity and to, to the, sacredness of sorts um of them this one is also from the the last album that came out while he was still alive it seemed the better way seemed the better way when first i heard him speak now it's much too late to turn the other cheek sounded like the truth seemed the better way Sounded like the truth, but it's not the truth today. I wonder what it was. I wonder what it meant. First he touched on love, then he touched on death. Sounded like the truth, seemed the better way. Sounded like the truth, but it's not the truth today. I better hold my tongue. I better take my place. Lift this glass of blood. Try to say the grace i'm not reading the because it's just repeated which makes sense musically but it's i don't need to read it again so for me that's does speak to when he was interested in exploring christianity and at the end of his life he he writes about how he sort of not continued that because ultimately it didn't convince him um but it's not it's not very much resolved, right there's There's a lot um that hovers there still. Brent He made what?: Oh, adventure, ventured, yeah. yeah right Yes, um, both comments were about um exploring other ways and then coming back to Judaism, even though Judaism sometimes seems may seem to some people at a time harder to to follow. Um, but then um, the easier way is not the best. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Betham, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we
1: invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Betham Los Angeles, go to
0: tbala.org.